Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Daily Transcendence Podcast. I'm G.O.D. And I'm Ray. And we're your hosts. Take a journey with us into the realms of some of humanity's most inner thoughts and theories about what lies before us and beyond the other side. Take a step back with us from the day-to-day heavy burdens of this constant evolving life. From awakening the collective, astrology, the spiritual divine, holistic health, shamanism, and quantum theory, to the frequencies and vibrations of our universe, history, religion, numerology, and so much more. We spend countless hours researching to bring you the breakdown of information from some of the greatest minds in these fields and even our own experiences. We're here to challenge your thoughts so that you can reshape your own minds and beliefs into ones that better serve you. We hope you enjoy the discussions about the supernatural and the ancient knowledge that we have become so fond of and we wish to share with you so that it may also help you on your quest in this human experience we're living. Let the transcendence begin. Godspeed and share on. Don't forget to like, follow, and share on our Facebook and Instagram at The Daily Transcendence. Make sure you stay up to date and get notified on new episodes and more content by liking and subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and many more. We want to hear from you all and connect, so message us or email us at thedailytranscendence at gmail.com. As always, we entirely appreciate your support and allowing us to bring to you this transmission. We are back. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. For another wonderful transcendental podcast. Ah, as as we shall always continue. To rise above. Yes, always. All that it is that we've learned mm-hmm. and this, are learning. Yeah, this part two, uh, we gave you guys the introduction uh, to the whole story we're going into about and all the findings about the ancient Sumerian civilization, the Anunnaki, human creation... Uh, the planetary creations as well, so on and so forth, uh, which this will lead further into some other realms of discussion of even Atlantis, things along those lines. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the goal was it, it was to go back in time and, you know, I mean, towards the first series of episodes, we said, like, we wanted to go back and discover where beliefs came from. And uh, we did that, and it was more of like an overview of symbols and beliefs and religions and and how that could be developed. But now it's more so of uh, we're going into, you know, evidence and and mm-hmm. actual tablets, like cuneiform tablets. Yeah. And um, like we had said in this the first part of this series is, uh, you know, we wanted to give that uh, overview of the Anunnaki mm-hmm. uh, being the at least the most um, predated civilization that we could find through all the artifacts and all the stuff. So we, you know, we want to now discover where, where really is, you know, the, the answer of where we came from, what, where are we and who are we? Um, the where, I don't know if we'll ever figure that out, but the who, but it's fun to speculate on, on the whole matter. And it's such a widely debatable topic. And the, the, the great thing about this whole topic is that, it's being revisited more, even though a lot of these findings happened 
honestly the first real finding of even in the location, the area in what was ancient Mesopotamia, it was Mesopotamia area, uh, really was like the 1800s, I think the late 1800s. Uh, but then also, you know, things popped up as far as discoveries in, in the, in the, uh, the early 1900s and then 1960s and 70s and so on. And this is where we have these wide debatable theories about the findings. And honestly, the cuneiform tablets and their translations, there's still not a definitive uh, translation to these things. There's so many different ways to translate it. And we'll, we'll, we'll also, you know, give a little brief explanation on, on why that is. Um, but yeah, Ray, energies are, are feeling a little, uh, they're feeling up, they're feeling up way better Oh yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, we had a crazy, we didn't really talk about it much, but mm-hmm. you know, from January till now, I mean, it has been somewhat of a roller coaster for ourselves. We've watched it. Obviously everyone knows the world's going through this mm-hmm. crazy time. Uh, but for us personally, I mean, we had kind of dipped out for about a month and mm-hmm. due to a lot of change, I mean, uh, retrograde season got to throw that in there yeah. you know definitely retrograde season no Kinda reassessing expected. things yeah. you know that was that was definitely uh it was uh, astrology and all that has actually been very um noticeable yeah it's been really eye opening too it's been helpful and which i know i know we've explained a lot on why and how the astrology could be helpful but it it really has and um this is something well, i want to put ray on the spot a little bit yeah, yeah. I think I'm ready. you got some I think you got some news for everybody. Yeah, so <laughs> ironically, right? I had I had made a prediction. I'm gonna go back to my Super Bowl prediction. Mm-hmm. I had said Bucks are gonna win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And because of this whole nodal astrology that I that I noticed, it was a pattern of my own. Plus, I have this whole thing, and I think I want to do like a YouTube video on this whole five thing this year, because mm-hmm. it's a five year in numerology, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and how you would do that is twenty twenty one, you add them all up, it ends up being five. Hmm. Um, and, you know, and like the Bucks were the fifth seed mm-hmm. and it was Tom Brady's fifth MVP of a Super Bowl and all these other things repeating. And, I, and you know, that, that, that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, but point being is Florida has always been something that I've been connected with. Yeah. Uh, me naturally say going to a, t- a team like Tampa only because of the whole pirate thing when I was a kid yeah. and I was tired of being a Jets fan and always being a loser. <laughs> <laughs> No offense. I almost was a I was, Jets fan. Almost. I was with you guys yeah. for about two years. So blow it out your ass if you're mad at me for saying that. I don't. I, I don't, don't care. Any, I don't think any Jets fans going to be mad at you. No. No. I think you guys understand, and I'm rooting for you. Mm-hmm. I'm rooting for you. But I had left with Keyshawn. So anyway, I'm Florida. I'm a Tampa fan, and my family moved down to Florida, and uh, I had been hit with news about two and a half weeks ago that we're just we're leaving. You know, I live with my my family, I live with my mom and my brothers and sister, and I kind of play like a little bit of like a more of an older brother role, but definitely father some fatherly figure. type type things. And it's funny because I look like I'm like my brother's age, <laughs> but I do have that role. So I've I've stayed here, and especially with the pandemic and just the way everything is, I'm at home. And my mom decides we're going to move. So not only does she decide we're going to move, but she decides, hey, we're putting it up. Like she tells me on like a Wednesday. <laughs> And then on Friday, the realtor is here. And then on Friday night, Saturday morning, the pictures are up. Wasting no time. And then on Monday, we're already seeing it get some traction. Mm-hmm. And by that following weekend, all of a sudden, dude, I, from 
this past Sunday, all the way till now, we've had days where it's like six, seven showings. Fam, I got to get out of here every two hours. You know, I gotta, I gotta juggle this yeah. whole, this whole like thing going on. And it's funny because, uh, you know, I the astrology had mm. said like, you know, a, a big theme, right, is shattered reality. That's yeah. that's a big one of our astrologers has, you know, he's uh, labeled this time as that. Like our realities will be shattered, yeah. whether on, glo- on a global level or a an individual level. So if you're out there going through this like crazy shift or change in your life where things seem to be falling apart, well, it's part of the energies yeah it's okay this is this is normal yeah well and why i say you know it's gonna be okay is because i I mean to me like at 30 years old i i I know who i am i kind of know where it is i want to take everything but there's a lot of this unknown to it Mm -hmm. and then when you're working on your stuff say like we have our podcast and i have my music and stuff like that and trying to really get my career going all of a sudden it's like i'm being uprooted from you know a place i've lived at for probably about 20 years now mm-hmm. you know and we're just moving to a different state and i don't know what in the middle of a pandemic and i don't know what's going to go on down there and yeah. uh, you know i mean uh sad to say i'm on unemployment because mm-hmm. the way the world is and i know plenty of other people are so it's not yeah. really that sad you know i actually don't like money being given mm-hmm. to me i like it mm-hmm. but i don't like it it's, it's, it's a pride thing to it so anyway uh january till now there's just been this you know sporadic up and down reassess yourself, reassess your life, you know, take a, take, you know, you're going to spend a lot of time with yourself and look at what it is, uh, you are on the inside, you know, you can't run away from yourself. And, uh, and I wasn't able to, and now being uprooted, I'm moving to Florida and we're going to actually, you know, uh, with the podcast, we have to now do it via internet until Gio finds his way down there. That's right. Yes. Cause if nobody knows that it's come up for me probably in about since December, uh, I mean, I've I've always wanted to move out of the state, especially with just the state of how things are nowadays. And, you know, that was another thing with the astrology that was said in the uh, in the beginning of 2020 was it's like, you know, you really got to you got to be picky choosy about your environment and see if it really aligns with you. See if it aligns with what you see for your future. And if it doesn't, you need to start making moves. And you just start, you know, not necessarily you got to move out of the state or anything, but or, or really move right away. And it's like this major thing. But you have to understand is what's going to be more uh, beneficial for you uh, in the long run. And where do you see yourself and how do you see if you can get trapped in that old paradigm because of your environment? I mean, a lot of it has to do with your mindset, but, you know, the environment plays a big role on it. You well, know? well, not to uh, you know interrupt, but mm-hmm. uh, as you're saying that, I'm thinking if you're if you're saying, well, my environment, well, I was stuck at home. Well, it's more so coming from the inside out. You know, you get to reflect on the people you hung out with, the places you were going. Mm-hmm. You know, the you you get to sit there and really, you know, decide that those things are good or bad for you because you have to sit and think about it yeah. and deal with it. You know, event. I don't care how many video games you play or how much Netflix you watch or how mm-hmm. much pornography you may watch if you're a dirty man or something or a woman yeah never know you know whatever you're doing out there yeah um you know meaning the distractions can only go so far to where all of a sudden you're sitting here like what am i doing yeah comfort zones comfort zones are nice but they get dangerous and i i definitely could speak on that one i mean i'm not gonna make an excuse for myself through uh astrological things but i am a taurus i do like to sit in my comfort sometimes but uh, 
2020 was definitely a, a, a beginning of a, of a lesson really to step out of the comfort zone, maybe a little bit before that, but it was really more so uh, I did it more in a healthy way to understand where I was sitting in my comfort zone and to step out of it with the podcast and everything else and certain moves that I made and everything. And then also, you know, coming into this year as well, you know, that, that that's been a whole other thing, but I've always honed in on the whole, you know, Hey, I don't feel this environment aligns with me. Um, I know I've, I feel like I've done what I could here. I probably could do more, but I feel my heart and my intuition and what's really going to align with me <clears throat> elsewhere. And, you know, just, just, there's just stuff about, I actually went out to Florida. Like we've said in the past episode, I went out to Florida at the end of January. Uh, I loved it there. I, I thought it was great. It felt like home to me. That was a big thing. I felt, I felt good there. I felt comfortable and I wasn't partying. I wasn't out in Orlando or anything. I just was in a small town and I loved it. And it was peaceful. It was relaxing. And not only that, it over there kind of lines more to my social economics as well. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, I'm actually going out there on Monday for 10 days again. And that's that's my that's my issue, too. I mean, not an issue, but that's where I'm trying to go. I'm trying to make those moves, step out of the comfort zone, because the magic can happen when you step out of your comfort zone. It may feel really uncomfortable, but that's why it's called a comfort comfort zone. I was very uncomfortable the past, yeah. especially the, fa- the, the the past few weeks of being so mm-hmm. sporadic. And I'm thinking about, you know, oh, my God, what am I going to do with the podcast? Oh, my God. I, mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to start my musical career, yeah. you know, and, and be the producer and the engineer I am and, uh, you know, and do all this stuff. And then, oh, my God, now I got to move environments and against kind of like my will. Yeah. And that's in the back of my mind. But if you if you see if you take things, you know, um, like you look at it with the big picture mm-hmm. and you know, for me, instead of freaking out and like, there's, Oh my God, there's so much to do. Step I'm thinking back, of, right. You know, detach like take from a, some of those emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, really, you know, envision where it is you're going and if it doesn't feel good, it's that simple. So, uh, and, and Hey, I know that there's some people that might ha- not have the opportunity to right now to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I do, I'm saying I don't. But more so, you know, not everyone's going to Florida, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, but and has a family and whatever. But I'm just saying there still is this scarcity of unknown and, uh, you know, how are things going to work out? But I think the lesson is, is as soon as you discover where it is you, you really are going or at least where you are in spirit, um, you know, and in your mind and you clear yourself, you've taken this time this past year to really clear your mind and your mm. and uh, you've you've kind of shed the old, um, whether beliefs or people or those environments. Once you've done that, then you have the ability to see clearly where it is you do want to go. It'll, you know? gui- it'll guide you through that unknown. You know, it's, it's having that connection within and it really will guide you to through the unknown um, and allows you to, you know, separate from some of those worries or fears and anxieties that may come with it. Like, of course, no matter what you're human, you're going to feel, you're going to feel those kind of worries and stuff like that. But, you know, it's also you don't let it kind of define that bigger picture that you're looking at and you stay in remembrance of that and also the gratitude behind it as well. Um, so, so, yeah. 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 And, and you know, the last thing about like the whole uh, astrology thing. Now, we had this whole we, we had that talk about the nodes and it was mm. in Sagittarius and the South Node and all that. Well, I'm going to bring that up real quick because it has states that like or well, the, the placement of the nodes had stated basically what it was saying is Sagittarian is this big picture thing. And what it was saying is, is the if you were looking at the global 
stuff and you were looking at the media mm-hmm. and you were looking at all these other things that weren't in your immediate environment and weren't really like if something's not affecting you in your living room today uh-huh. like you know you have to worry about those things like yeah. it was a time if like i hope you weren't all just sitting there watching the tv not thinking about your life or what it is like mm-hmm. it was a time to reflect and change and that was this this was and still is you still have time that uh, an opportunity to you know, to really figure out who you are and where you want to go and that it's not too late, whatever age you are. It never is too late. Um, so it, it was a time. And astrology says so. Common sense says so. Yeah. You know, if you're watching the media and you're in that, cool, hey, man, you know, I'm not anti-politics completely. Mm-hmm. I get that people care about the world, but... You got to spare your mental health a little bit. There's a lot of a lot of triggering stuff out there. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of triggering stuff. And on top of that, I mean, is it really that relevant? Like, are you... Are you set in where you are right yeah. now? Like, are like, are you set in your ways, or like, do you feel like you're happy? And if not, like, it's the time. It's a time to realign. They keep calling this the Great Reset and all this. Yeah. Well, you know what? Take their advice. Yeah. It, it is it, whatever happens globally, we'll we'll deal with it, and yeah. we should band together and figure it out. But mm-hmm. how are we going to band together? Yeah, we don't when, even we don't even know what kind of concept of time that this reset is going to occur in. Yeah. It could be a couple days in certain situations. It could be fucking years. It could be not even in our lifetime. So why are you going to sit there in that uncertainty Mm. and, you know, base your feelings and your decisions off that? Right. Yeah. So it really, it is like, I, I I think it's really important to just, if you know who you are and where you want to go and at least, you know, like I know where I want to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like at least with my career and, you know, who I am and what my interests are and where I'd want to like make money and, and, and live my life. And I, I have that figured out. So there's that level of comfort that I have in myself, knowing who I am and what it is I stand for. And a big thing really is, you know, helping people, uh, helping people open their eyes to certain things, you know, having a voice when I was younger, not that I didn't have a voice. I talked a lot and a lot of people heard me, but I'm saying a voice of, you know, um, uh, of bringing some sort of wisdom and, and enlightenment to people to help them. And especially in a time where I think it's needed, you know, if you're watching t- all the, the, the mainstream media or you have some, just even some YouTubers that you watch and this and that cool. But it, if that, if that's not like changing your life or changing your mind in a way where, you know, you feel yourself gaining things and getting better then I, I just think we should all realign yeah. uh, to, to, to the things that are, are going to, you know, help us get in touch with our spirit and who we are because why that's important. We end up banding together because mm-hmm. we're not against each other. If yeah. you're comfortable in your own skin, you're not going to judge other people. I'm yeah. saying it's just not going to, it's not how it's going to be. Yeah. You're also gaining the awareness uh, in, in, the, in that way that you're speaking of, right? Like you're gaining that awareness through, through also the mirrors within, within your life of other people and, you know, gaining and learning that experience, you know, together or being able to have that, like I said, that awareness from certain interactions and going through the process of trying to be like, in a way, a humanitarian and really, you know, come from a good intentional, you know, good space, but not in a forceful intention as well, even if it's good. And you you see that reflected in, in the process you're working on your inner self as well. And to keep that open state of awareness. Yeah. Like I said, and the show must go on, like despite whatever Ray's going through, despite whatever I'm going through, whatever we're doing, always looking to um, improve on ourselves and to work on our dreams and not let certain aspects in life 
put our your goals or dreams. This goes for everybody. Don't let it put your goals and dreams on the back burner. You know what I mean? Like, yes, of course, it depends sometimes how much energy you're going to be able to put in sometimes, but always make sure you're doing things for yourself. Pay yourself first. And uh, yeah, like I said, energies are higher than a crackhead behind the 7-Eleven dumpster over there. So Palmer would appreciate that for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, he's right. And we're not going to, you know, we just hit about 20 minutes I'm looking at. And, yeah. you know, we, we really did want to discuss, well, because as as time was passing, you know, we didn't, ha- we weren't releasing episodes and, you know, mm-hmm. me and Gio were working really hard and trying to really stay on track and bottling this shit up. Oh God, <laughs> man. It's, it's ridiculous because of the timing it had and, yeah. you know, we're, we're moving forward with things. And, and when, if I get frustrated, I realized throughout all of this, you know, when I, when I finally hit that like peak of frustration to make myself feel better, I, I came up with the reason why, like, instead of just saying, I want to go do things for me and this and that, and these are my reasons. It's like, well, Where's my service to everyone else too? Once I decided that, I mean, why we even started this podcast was to enlighten people and to help them. And it's, that's why we always state, like, it's not about what we believe or Mm -hmm. what we're talking about is being pushed on you, but it's open discussion. And where it's supposed to be leading is this awareness of, you know, getting out of, uh, like being told what to think. And that's, that's the transcendence attitude. You know, that's the mental attitude of, of a, of a, you know, a transcending uh, person Mm -hmm. is remembering that there was conditioning. We were, you know, that was pushed upon us. It's going to lead into what we're talking about because it's, uh, you know, uh, from down to our history that we were, you know, taught in school and even just the basic, like in school, when you're a kid, Mm -hmm. you're taught to listen to somebody or to have authority, you know, and not that that's a total, totally bad thing. We need leaders. Mm -hmm. Leaders are great, but authority you know, the way it's pushed on us yeah. may just be a little, you know, too outlandish and ridiculous. So to transcend mm-hmm. the, the, the beliefs and conditioning that we have to free our minds, to make these decisions ourselves and to, and to really, you know, open our eyes and mm-hmm. minds to the, to the truths the fact that we have control, you have control and you don't have to listen to everything and anything told you on a television or a radio show or a best friend or a family member. And yeah. that's, and that's what we're, that's the reason it's, that's the value we want to bring. We want to bring yeah, awareness. Exactly. And in this episode and the rest of the series, that's the whole, the whole name of the game is to be able to work on, uh, you know, opening up that realm for all the different possibilities um, and to be able to break down the limitations that have been set forth or indoctrinated on us and to really see ourselves in a new light and move forward and to see the, the like I said, the possibilities of everything. So, I mean, like, honestly, like, to, like uh, today was a great lesson for me. I'm just going to say it real quick, like come backing out of my parking spot in the bank and, you know, really not an, any fault of my own because I was cautious. Me and this other lady rear-ended each other. You know what I mean? And I feel like normal me, like, or maybe older me, not so on a higher vibration would have been like freaking out, panicking or something like that. It was, it was pretty minor. Um, but I kept it real calm. And as much as I realized that it was more so the fault of that woman, I had this sense of compassion that I was really happy about afterwards. I didn't want her to feel bad. I didn't want to feel bad. Um, you know, I just kind of made it easy. And I'm not not stressing it, not sweating it, and that's not going to ruin my day, and it's not going to ruin what I have to get done today. And that's why I I, I see like same thing with Ray. Everything that was going on, he's not going to put 
the podcast or his work on the back burner. Just because something happens that day, I'm not going to let it ruin my day and put the podcast or my work or my dreams or, you know, anything that makes me feel like it's it's a real creative expression of myself, not going to put on the back burner. Neither should you. Yeah, we discovered who we are and what we are in this moment and mm-hmm. and have tuned in t- totally to a, a mission yeah. and a goal. And I think everyone can use a, a mission and it's going to lead into what we're talking about. Now, how does how does this have anything to do with, you know, the the Anunnaki and all that yeah. and all that. Of course, we wanted you know to just keep you guys updated on yeah. that stuff. But at the same time, and we had a phone call earlier this week about it. And you know to to be brought the information, say that maybe all of the history and all of the facts and all the things are just undecided. Mm-hmm. Not that we've been completely lied to, because let's leave the idea that yeah. everything's a conspiracy. A little bit of truth in everything, right? There is. So you have to have this like you know, piercing mind of like, you know, keep that, that mental state of, I'm, it's, I'm not going to believe anything. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just, I'm going to explore well, it. I'm going to explore it. You know, yeah. it goes back to that, you know, uh, speculation, you yeah. know, and I think that's a very important mindset as I'll say a lot. And so when we had the phone call, I was like, you know, really thinking back, you know, we're going to, we, we chose to do this series about the Anunnaki and all that. And cool. You know, we might be from aliens. Mm-hmm. That's basically where we're, pro- we're probably going to end up leading towards. We might be. We yeah. might not be. Yeah. You know, it's it, not saying that, but that's, by there'll the way. Like a, there'll be like a three main like variations yes, or something. It's, that it's one like, of, hey, mm-hmm. it could be this. It could be that. It could be this. Right. Um, right. Let's talk about it. Sounds crazy. But mm-hmm. when you go to the facts, things can end up being certain ways. And we're going to explore that. And point being that we're. We're going to talk about this stuff, and now you get to know other aspects and truths and facts about our past and these ancient beings and these ancient tablets and stuff that could totally transform the 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 mind in a way where it's like, oh my god, you know, in school I was ta- I wasn't I wasn't taught that. Yeah. And by doing that, you realize that your authority and you know the the system laid out m- might not be. For your own good. And yeah. guess what? That same system is your media. And that same system is your banking system yeah. and all of this other stuff. And once again, leave the conspiracy out of it and just remember yeah. the fact that we could just have flaws and it's time to really fine tune our minds and understand where we came from. Yeah. And things could just be outdated, you know, from the mainstream, the mundane. I mean, don't you want to sometimes transcend the mundane? So, well, you know, with, with saying that, let's get in, let's get into it. And so, you know, if we're going to go, to look at this ancient civilization and its teachings and try to understand where we humans possibly could have originated from and what this can mean for us now, then it's best to start from the beginning. And by the beginning, this means looking at how physical matter could have come to be and the explanation of how our solar system was possibly created. We are going to use what we know with modern science, uh, also astronomy and theories And then we're going to try to make correlations with the ancient Sumerian writings and also explore the variations of their translations. Uh, So we're going to ask you to keep an open mind when investigating these ideas and to use your own imagination and understanding to gain a sense of awareness on what could have happened and how our reality came to existence. As we go through this information, uh, we'll also be explaining the many variations of the stories Uh, or theories, and also the many different scientific, astronomical, and archaeological data within these stories or theories. So we also just highly encourage the transcendence mindset, like Ray mentioned, and being curious enough to go out and even research this information on your own as well, if it interests you. 
if there's anything that you, the listener, feel you can add to the conversation or know any sort of information that we don't mention or maybe overlook, we'd love for you to share with us and further discuss all the collected data. We always welcome open conversation, no matter uh, if it's in agreement with us uh, or what we present or even if it's healthy skepticism. Our motto is to shed the bias and transcend the influx of information to create and to also develop real thoughts and ideas because without question there's absolutely no truth uh-huh so you know if we've sat here and decided that we know everything there's no growth exactly we must discuss these things we do and people need to talk and simply put a we're told you know certain civilizations or things have existed 6000 years ago but mm. in our in our facts and documents today, and I'm calling them facts because these are discoveries on Earth. Yeah, we're talking ten to twelve thousand years old. Yeah, and involving things that shouldn't exist then, if the mainstream story says and you know claims what it claims. Yeah, and so by knowing that and understanding that, that changes the whole backstory. Mm-hmm. So if that changes the whole backstory, well, what else are we missing here? What does who, that mean about us? Who are we? Yeah, and what, what, what you know, we, could there be dormant things about uh, us? Yeah. What kind of capabilities are there of, uh, uh, as a species for us? Are we really trapped in the matrix? Yeah. That's, that's a curious, a curious thing to go into. Yeah. So Gio, start yeah. us off. I'm, so, I'm ready. Yeah, me too. All mm. right. Uh, stick with us. So we're, let, let's give a, a, a real quick overview of just the Sumerian civilization of itself um, because their artifacts uh, also show a lot of firsts for mankind in our history, such as like the first schools, the first historians, uh, methods of writing, library, inventions, doctors, pharmacopoeia, farming and agriculture, uh, first musical notation and first taxes. They invented our standard measurement of time. Yes, the whole 60 minutes, 12, everything. Uh, that is where it comes from. And also the they invented the astronomical and astrological systems. The first maps and cartography, the first mathematics, and they even invented beer. Uh, that could be widely debated, though. Uh, but their religion and belief system is also said to have heavily influenced all the other religions in the world that followed after. The cuneiform tablets of Sumer contain inscriptions of a huge magnitude of encompassing cosmological tales, epic poems, histories of kings, uh, temple records, commercial contracts, marriage and divorce records, like I said, astronomical tables and astrological forecasts, mathematical formulas, geological, ge- geological lists, grammar, text, and the dealings with names and genealogy, genealogies of royal bloodlines, which that's where we're going to go into. Uh, and there's also deeds and powers and uh, the duties of gods. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, this was mm-hmm. all cavemen. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cavemen? Ca- well... Well, that's my point. Itch. Well, isn't that's that? That's what I mean. Like, right? There, there isn't we go. The popular, uh, you know, we're yeah. we're we're evolved apes. Yeah. So you know what? Let me let me just say this: evolved apes had divorces and taxes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> and if you it, honestly, if you, if you look at the data, it shows that like when you go through the whole, you know, two hundred fifty thousand to three hundred thousand years ago, when they say they, you know, first, you know, the oldest humans and stuff like that, and the, you know, of Homo erectus and also our ancestors, which is, um. Uh, you know, I mean, from, yeah, Homo erectus and Homo, whatever the other one is, and to into Homo sapien. Um, that time, it's like there's a weird path where it's just like low level, no, you know, we're just hunter gatherers, and 
you know, no agriculture yet. And then all of a sudden, just boom, just a peak up into advanced civilization. I find that a little weird. Yeah, that, you know, but the fact that we're talking about it, I have an erectus right now. Mm-hmm. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I almost lost you there for a second. Yeah, so it's important to know when looking at these Sumerian records that there's a lot of different tellings because of how old of a, of a civilization they were and the number of generations everything was passed down and the many regions it was recorded and taught in. You know, So one thing I want you to keep in mind, you have the Sumerian civilization. This is all in the same area of Mesopotamia. And it's first known to be recorded that it's the Sumerian civilization, anywhere from sometimes 5,000 to 400, I mean, to 4,000 to 2,000 BCE. Um, after comes more of the Akkadians. And this also is like half religion, half society type uh, changes. Um, and the Akkadians come. And then after that's the Assyrians. Then it's the Babylonians, which we all have heard a lot about the Babylonians. I feel like that's more of what we were taught in school, if anything, but not really in depth. It was always the Egyptians. And then afterwards you have the Chaldeans, which the Chaldeans are also, which is modern day Iraq. And you have, um, there's a lot about, you know, Chaldea, that area during a certain time that's also mentioned in the Bible and it's heavily, heavily connected with where the astrological schools were. Where they actually started that we was like really the mystery this, schools. This, yes, the mystery schools and the study of astrology. Right, right. And uh, this knowledge. Abraham. It was like Abraham was from Abraham in the Bible was yeah. from Chaldea. Yeah, but 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 the way it showed up is it just kind of showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, like think about developing, say, just even the numerical system. You know, you're talking about an infinite amount of, amount of numbers. So you're talking about a system, and you're telling me that we're hunter gatherers. We're just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's like one, two, three. It, it, like, and I know everyone in the back. <laughs> a lot of moves. A lot of moves. But in the, the back, last episode. But come on. Gotta be there. Yeah. A lot of moves. <laughs> gotta be there. Mm-hmm. And Sorry. a lot of moves nowadays. Yeah. You know, what do you got against Tauruses? Huh? Is that what you're talking well, about? I, said, I knew you'd catch it. I know. <laughs> moo-moos. A lot of mm-hmm. moo-moos. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, really, like, let's use our logical minds here. I mean, you don't need to know even arithmetic to understand this mindset yeah. that, you know, we're contemplating this. We're going from hunter-gatherer, kind of just noise-making people, mm-hmm. and we're, we're growing and all that. And then astrology, ast- astronomy, mathematics, taxes, Language, divorce. all this shit. Just happens. So... Why why are we not questioning that? And why is it, by the way, not why is that not you know mentioned in my history book? Mm-hmm. Why did that? Why wasn't that like a main focal point? In, and and you know, as a kid, I would have been probably more interested in school if they were coming at me right specifically. I'll, I'll speak for myself here, and I'm pretty sure many many of you will agree with this. If they were like, "Well, life's still a mystery. We haven't figured it out. We existed ten thousand, twelve thousand years ago. We don't know the answers." Now, me personally, I love puzzles. I love thinking about things. I like to, you know, I like to really dive deep into, into thought and, and kind of like mysteries fun to me. Yeah, they should have encouraged us to explore. To, yeah, but, but what did the system do to us, this educational system? It just taught us to regurgitate and, mm-hmm. and use only the, the left side of our mind, our, our logical regurgitating mind, and just to remember the facts. And how could you not question that? Like, you have to question that because it just all doesn't add up. So... Because it doesn't add up, it, it, and then you find these like you know Sumerian tablets and you, all that. They're telling a story, and that story is 
you know, it's mind boggling because it connects to say things like quantum physics and it connects to things like the stars and the planets where in no way could they have ever known these things. You're telling me that they know what Jupiter's doing and Saturn's doing all the way out there. These cavemen, hunter gatherer, monkey like humans. Where they get the knowledge to be able to make these calculations. Come on now. You know, so you got to question it. And I think we, I think, you know, I think the average person watches, watches politics and watches the media and understands there's some sort of, you know, uh, grasp and, you know, stronghold, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but they're really just trying to, you know, I feel like distract us or, or guide us in a certain way. And, you know, I've mentioned that that could be for a good reason, could be for bad. We don't know. But it it is the truth that we have been kind of led astray from certain things. And it's time to bring awareness yeah. to the mainstream public. You know, I, I, if maybe if you watch the History Channel and some ancient aliens, mm-hmm. I, I really don't think all of that's taken as serious as, as it should. Yeah. You know, uh, the pentagram, uh, the pentagram, the pentagram, <laughs> the pentagram, the pentagram, <laughs> but the pentagram releasing UFO footage. And dude, the, the like, Trump's like the Pentagon? Trump's like toupee was more important than the Pentagon releasing UFO yeah. footage. So yeah. my point being, you know, why goes back to why does this matter? It matters because if we change the history of ourselves and we know that we've been lied to, we know that we still have an undiscovered uh, an undiscovered parts of yeah. uh, you know of ourselves, and uh, and that that will lead to the answers. Yeah. You have to know what the source is before you can go trying to figure things out. Yeah. All the science in the world can tell you this and that about quantum physics and that, but knowing the origins will mm-hmm. ultimately guide you to the answer. Yeah. What's the rule of scientific experimentation anyway? It's that you create a hypothesis and you constantly test out that hypothesis to be like, okay, this this is this is the hypothesis is the answer, and you're going to test out to make sure that that matches up. Any real scientist would say that you would constantly keep testing the theory. You don't just be like settle and done with it and stuff. And we know that there's been settled things um, that have been, uh, you know, research or data and, and, and experimentations and everything that it's just kind of been settled on. And, you know, listen, I think we have all heard of, you know, predictive programming. I mean, why do they call it a program on TV? Because it is a, a, a mental programming in some way yeah i'm not saying everything is a conspiracy or anything like that but that's the thing it's like open your mind to variations re keep you want to really get closer to the truth keep testing out the experiment keep testing out the information that's all that's really i think we nailed that and that drove it into a coffin with that one absolutely and I, I think nothing else needs to be said other than um, it's time to explore and it's yeah. time to understand this this story. And we're going to start with the Sumerian, um, yeah. you know, approach. Yeah. So we said, uh, you know, I said the we're going to start from the beginning. So when beginning, we're talking about the creation of even our solar system and our universe. You know, we have many different speculations on that between Big Bang, and, you know, electric universe, uh, you know, biblical and other religious type uh, explanations behind it and stuff. Uh, but let's take it from all standpoints for a little bit. And uh, for first point I want to go through is like more so of what we know on a scientific standpoint about stars in the solar system. You know, we know a solar system and stars can be born in the vastness of the galaxy when a large collection of cosmic dust and gas becomes compressed by gravity into a singular point made of increasingly compressed dust and gas. It then starts 
to emit a massive amount of light and heat and ends up creating a large disc spiraling all around it. And uh, what's funny about the whole spiraling disc thing, uh, I just wanted to note, is the whole fact of um, the Fibonacci sequence. I was going to say the Fibonacci. Yeah. And uh, basically, nature works on that math. There's a, there's mm-hmm. a, you know, there's a basic science to how everything grows, whether you're looking at uh, the plant spiraling up when it's on like one of those um, time-lapse things or, uh, you know, uh, uh, you look at a hurricane, you look at a galaxy, you look at water go down the drain, you're talking about that spiral. And that math is basically the math of God. It's, it's the math of the universe. And when you do, like, say, the, uh, the measurements of the Fibonacci spiral, you can actually relate it to, and it's exact, the exact math is from the tip of your finger to that middle section of your finger, down to the bottom, it gets longer and longer and longer. Your hand gets longer. Your arm goes through your whole arm. And then, so your body is even built with the spiral math. You're not yeah. a spiral, but it's the math of it. So that yeah. shows up. Pre- and so when it's talking about this cosmic dust yeah. spinning and spiraling, well, that's, that's we what it is. We see this constant pattern in nature. Um, and that's really, you know, it's part of the whole fractal patterning and everything. It shows up in sunflowers, our fingerprints, you know, the... Uh, the circular points in 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 uh, the tr- the trunk of a tree. So anyway, but so inside the cloudy disk, clumps of dust start to uh, flash heat into droplets of molten rock, and then they are the building blocks of the solar system. As they start to spiral around to become stars, these clumps of matter begin to merge together and grow into larger and larger bodies, which form the basis of asteroids and planets. Sometimes during this development, the protostar undergoes a fusion and ignites itself into a baby star, which then emits a tremendous amount of solar wind blasting away the dusty cloud. And it starts to leave behind only the solid and denser matter. And that continues to merge and form together into planets. So I want you to keep that in mind as we go forward. Now, we know that, you know, this is kind of the makeup, a little bit of the Big Bang Theory as well. And, and you know, kind of you know, really the materializing of matter. So we also look now what the next part I want to go into is that we look at, you know, the solar system and we look at earth and being a lot of water. The only other thing, and that's not even, you know, this, the only other planet that really contains water like that, which is more of like a frozen type planet and a little bit gaseous as well, I think is Neptune. You know, other than that, there's nothing else. So Here's the explanation. This is also something I want you to keep in mind for once we go into the actual, uh, the Enuma Lish and the Atra Hasis, the stories that they're telling from that ancient Sumerian culture about these gods and so forth. And knowing this, you could see how it kind of link up, but we'll explain it. So speaking about watery planets, it's believed it would be too hot for water to not evaporate and get blasted out with the dust by the solar winds that I was speaking about, that whole emitting of that energy from the protostar. One leading theory about how all this water came about is the act of flying space rocks called called carbonaceous chondrites that carry water on them and crash down to a planet, but this still leaves many questions unanswered. Why don't we see the same amount of water elsewhere in our solar system except the asteroid belt? That's a very random place for water to be. Yeah. You know, there's a, that's finding an explanation Mm -hmm. of that is like, you know, where in, in general, Uh how does, how is the water developed 
and and grow into you know and it, it's it's elemental you know right. that alchemical makeup as well and stuff that's why you see how this all relates to that spiritual part of the world i mean the spiritual part of of everything as well yeah yeah mm-hmm. and and according to the sumerian story there is somewhat of at least a um you know story about it yeah absolutely so you know going a little just a little bit further into that we have Hydrogen and oxygen are some of the most abundant elements in the universe. And so it would be sensible to hypothesize that as the solar system is forming, there was likely tons of water, ice, or hydrogen and oxygen that was being pulled into larger field of water, ice, and other debris in in solid, liquid, and even gas form. Uh, There's a document called The Origin of Water Ice in the Solar System, and a scientist of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory explains that the origin for planetary formation can come from at least one of two things. It condenses beyond a certain distance from the protosun, which is no more than five astronomical units, but as close as, as two astronomical units, and then it falls from the surrounding molecular cloud. This relates to the theory of what I'm going to explain now of the body or one of the goddess of Tiamat uh, because the asteroid belt is 2.2 to 3.2 astronomical units away from the sun, which it's which is said where Tiamat uh, was said to be according to the Sumerian story. Right. So, so well, and let me throw this mm-hmm. in there because this is what fascinates me. You have things like the bible and th- and then this story especially too like it's it's crazy that you could pick things out right that can be say somewhat allegorical mm-hmm. right it could be like like a mythology where you're, you're reading it and you learn something from it it could have some hidden truth in it but then when you're finding artifacts and you're finding certain yeah. things that match with the story mm-hmm. that are that could be real or yeah. like that say these gods could have existed or mm-hmm. this or that like it's talked about, like it's talked about in a lot of people. Sitchin was one of yeah. those people that had said, you know, he wanted this story to line up with the Bible and, yeah. and he put this whole thing together and it, he made it sound like there were real yeah. gods. But you can also think of it as when we're explaining scientifically that mm-hmm. you could compare these characters yeah. to just things happening in the universe and we just made a story about yeah. it, you know? And if it's the fact that this could have been kind of taught to people, you know, maybe from some sort of alien race or some sort of uh, etheric type being or information coming in it could be taught in the sense that think about if you were a person on earth during that time of that ancient sumerian era and goes, everything goes back to episode two yeah you can't you know you you your your mind can only can it can make a concept of what you've experienced and what you already know yeah like so a way not? of right like a way of teaching somebody yeah. at, at a certain level of awareness and consciousness yeah. meaning so if like Let's say there there are these alien beings and they come here and they have all this knowledge, yeah. but you know we don't speak the same language, yeah. you know, and they don't know how to, you know, we both don't know how to communicate. Yeah. So uh, maybe they become friendly with us or maybe they yeah. don't, but regardless, they decide to teach us these things. Mm-hmm. Which that's also, by the way, in the story of why these, why we were taught. Yeah. By the way, so the irony of that, exactly. that you know, it says in the story that one of these gods had given us this knowledge, mm-hmm. but. I'm at a certain level of awareness and the only way I can actually grasp it is if you show me pictures yeah. and you and you give me ideas regardless mm. of words. Yeah, it's like it's like me if I'm trying to explain to my 7-year-old niece about uh about planets and formation and stuff like that. You think I'm going to tell them in this type of form away? No, I'm going to tell her tell her in more so of a way that she can relate to of through her own experiences because you know, it's, it would be like a foreign language to her if I explain it the other way. Exactly. So maybe as as so as we go on and we're telling the 
the myth. Now, you can take it as the mythology, take it as science, but the fascinating part is it does have this multidimensional approach to it and, and meaning. Yes, exactly. So going into now with all that information, we're going into now the Sumerian origins uh, of what it said of the heavens and the celestial bodies and all the solar system uh, cosmo- cosmology. And what the Enuma Elish said was that no gods were created in the heights of the above or in the deep waters of the below. Now, right, like when it comes to the, when it says the heights of the above and the deep waters of the below, what are some variations of what we can think that means rather than just a place here and a place there? You know what I mean? It's like, we know, we think that, we think that, uh, you know, in, in the scientific realm, we think that uh, the universe and space is like this, uh, this vacuum sealed, like nuclear reactor type thing. And, you know, we also, but we also know it's infinite. Do um maybe we do? I mean that's well, that's just a theory, right, you know, right, right. But because of what we know. But but in mm-hmm. right in like according yeah. to what what you're asking, I yeah. get it. But we've also have, and I think we've actually mentioned it in previous episodes when we were talking about um the divine matrix uh, in that episode, how we were saying that space is not actually empty, that there's is a lot of you know like there's almost like an electrical connection or you know certain dark matter and everything like that's actually connecting. To a point where we can't necessarily, we can only see it up to a point with our senses. Mm. You know, you're not going to be able to fully use all your senses and even certain technologies that we have to be able to see that deep into that connection of everything. So this is where we could see how the heights of the above and the deep waters of the below can be explained in this way as more of in an energetic sense. Yes, maybe a location sense a little bit in space, but also an energetic sense. And even even in like... A consciousness sense, yes. meaning so it could. I, it, all right, so you had asked me, you know, what would I take from it? And from the way I've learned to to research and think about things is, you know, is it physical, is it mental, or is it spiritual? So yeah. that's how I'm going to approach it. So if you're like, well, there's, you know, you got the the above and the below. Well, if you were doing say mental, it's like the above of am I thinking in a higher state of awareness and consciousness? Am I approaching it with higher thoughts? not so animalistic or physical, but being aware that there are all of these different types of aspects of reality. So in my mental process, being more in an, of a higher awareness and consciousness mm-hmm. in the above, yeah. you know, or going down below and thinking more from the body and being a human and this and that. Mm-hmm. And that's where it would intertwine with spirituality, meaning dimensions, Yeah, you know? So I could be with my mind thinking in higher and lower dimensions and that's what the story can be telling me. Or I could be also it could be saying maybe there's a whole nother dimension that we can't experience because the universe is infinite. Yeah. You know, I mean, because if this, this reality exists, well, proven fact that there, there it's an, it's infinite. Yeah. So that means that any reality can really exist. It's just that we're tuned in to this one because mm-hmm. of our minds. We yeah. have, we occupy this body, this meat suit, and we have this brain, this quantum machine really kind of like, you know, breaking down this reality. But beyond that, you could have a higher level of dimension and mm-hmm. a lower level of dimension, or you could go. Fit, you can go legit, like the story's talking about the sky mm-hmm. and underneath the earth. Yeah, and, and and that could even go deeper because you could be talking about, you know, you can be talking about the heavens and up in the sky, and yes, and all the planets, and then maybe there's something below the surface that yeah. we don't know about. Below you know? the ecliptic or something of what we know is the ecliptic. You know. Yeah. So multifaceted, multidimensional, mm-hmm. and the thing is, is because of that, 
it it's it's where reading the whole story and understanding more things it's like okay now keep mm-hmm. going because let's decipher if this let's see if the story gives more like clues yeah. on whether it is mental or spiritual or vice yeah. you know and so like in our in our world we think that we also think that matter supersedes uh the mental and consciousness so we think that matter comes you know matter and the physical comes first before the mental and consciousness we think that matter makes up consciousness but what if it's the other way around what if it's the mental and consciousness and then matter you know like we can think of even take the big bang theory for for instance you know it was just like nothing a void and then all of a sudden boom shit materialized and this the story is going to go into it too so that's why i want to pinpoint this out because it's like what if it was actually more of a mental spark and activity it's a, it, there's this innate intelligence or consciousness or God, this ultimate being, but it's not even a being. Uh, well, but, it's ways to put it. Yes. Like, see, and it's really hard to kind of exactly. go, like, oh, to work around it because the mind will always go, well, what's before that or what's before that yeah. or what's before that or what is even, what, like, is it? Yeah, we like, can't really conceive that, that notion. So it's like, you know, we can think about it instead of thinking that matter comes before the mind. It's like... The mind comes before matter because we also know that it's a hermetic without, yeah, we also know about another thing that we spoke about was the whole, you know, without the observer, there's, you know, matter, certain matter doesn't exist. Yeah. So without the mind yeah. actually looking at the thing or yes. listening to the thing, without there the is, senses, there's nothing there. Exactly. So it can almost be like that whole Big Bang Theory or what even what the story is going to go into is that there is a mental energy, a thought or anything, and ex- boom, that happens. Think about, like, I want to pick up my glass of water, right? Well, you had, Bef- like, a little mini Big Bang in your yeah, head. <laughs> for, yeah, first, the thought pops up in, which sends synapses running down the nerve endings and your neurons and everything. It goes down to your nerves and your arm and, and out to your hand, and you reach out and you grab that glass, and therefore you created that reality. Mm-hmm. So who's to say and who's not to say that that can be the start of it all. It's the a mind, mental aspect. The mind of God. Think about that. The mind of God. Ooh. Yeah. So going for, forward. Sick burn, bro. Yeah. For, <laughs> so going forward um, in the story, we have Namu, which Namu represents the creative force behind the entire universe itself and was the goddess C who gave birth to the actual gods. So we can see it as that that's that behind that whole mental aspect that is that mental force that is that boom thought process right it there reminds me of the ether yes, like it's exactly because she, it, she's called the goddess sea the sea yes, of something like sea. like you know like a, an ocean so uh-huh. it's like this goddess sea so it's like almost you could say that the they're they're personifying you know or anthropomorphizing or whatever yeah. you want to call it the ether exactly exactly or she could be a god yeah It could be a God itself. It could be some sort of being. It could be an energetic, etheric, whatever. But this is how it's being explained almost uh, what what a lot of people believe that this is how it's being explained in this way from a more scientific standpoint. Uh, But then it goes to say that alone in the void existed Apsu, the primordial begetter. And he's also considered to be fresh waters and also the sun. But keep in mind, not necessarily our sun. I, I I highly think just because you'll see as we go along with the story that it could be a possibility that it there was another 
star. We, I mean, we know there's plenty of stars that are suns to other type of dwarf planets or anything um, that kind of contain its own solar system uh, because the sun is a star. So he's also known as the Freshwaters, the sun, and he reigned alone. It is said that after some time through his winds, he mingled with the waters of the below. Remember, he's the above and then he mingles with the waters of the below. Once again, that water's that water's saying, and he casted a spell on the waters and then slept. This then further created himself and Tiamat, which is considered to be the bitter salt water, the mother of all, Gaia, and this is to be his spouse. Tiamat can be seen as a cosmic substance or its own planet and often is depicted as Tiamat in the Babylonian creation story. She's further from the sun, which she is said to be between Mars and Jupiter, right around, like I said, where the asteroid belt is. And she's emerging from the waters of the asteroid belt. So what if that's this? This is like that sectional part where it's maybe actual location. You know, that's where she's kind of coming from is that area. Yeah, And ironically, too, I can't believe I didn't catch this the first uh-huh. time or maybe I did say it, but Uranus in astrology marries Gaia. By the way, there's a marriage mm. between Uranus uh-huh. and Gaia. Yeah. That is part of the mythology. I'm think, just saying. Yeah, and you I know? think we also know Gaia to be Earth, I right. think, sometimes that's my point. as well. Yes, people call mm-hmm. Earth Gaia, and there's this whole, like, yeah. Sophia uh, mythology and Gaia uh-huh. and all that. So, yeah, anyway, I just figured that was, just keep in mind, yeah. as we're saying it, that's, there's a parallel there. So, it just makes it a little weird. Like, so you're telling me the, Uran- the planet Uranus marries... Yeah. Plant, the planet that like, there's exactly. a marriage you like, know what does that mean mm-hmm. you know how could we really decipher that but mm-hmm. now in this sumerian story yeah we yeah. have we can know that as being entangled in certain magnetic fields and orbits as well exactly so um she's further from the sun like i said in between mars and jupiter which that's where the asteroid belt is located and emerging from the asteroid belt and apsu's solar winds um, she, so she's made from the, the water of the waters of the asteroid belt and Apsu solar winds, and she's entirely covered by water, entirely covered by water. And that's a big part of it. Mm. We said that the asteroid belt contains all the water besides our own earth nowadays. Like, you know, that's where it is. These carbonaceous chondrites type asteroids. So, and earth's by the way, made of mostly water. Yes, exactly. Right? Okay. So, uh, and it, she's the only one like it in the solar system. Now, remind you, this is pre-Earth. We're, gonna, we're getting into how this all created. This way we can further go through the story to understand where everything kind of came from. You got to have a beginning. So, together they brought forth Mamu, which is seen as the active part in contrast to more lethargic primordial forces Tiamat and Apsu, which that's in the Sumerian Apsu. Well, Sumerian Apsu is is the kind of uh, it's a location in our actual earth that was said to be the uh, almost like an area of the record keepings as well. Too, right. And it was like the, the, the main den, civilization. It was the den of the Ia too or Enki. Yes, exactly. So and he actually had named it from a, mm-hmm. a character. Or about, yeah, you know, exactly. So we know that Mamu is in between uh, between Tiamat and Apsu. But. Uh, he is the messenger or high political advisor of Apsu. His name in Akkadian, uh, the loan word from Sumerian Amun, U-M-U-N, which translates as main body, bulk, life-giving force, and also knowledge. 
Now, what else do we know if we said that Apsu is a sun or a solar sun type star and he is the closest and he is he is the sun's high political advisor and he's closest to the sun. What can we represent Mamu as as being so close to the sun and about knowledge and the messenger? Oh, very simple. That's, yeah. That would be uh, Mercury. Exactly. Uh, or, you know, uh, Mercury or Thoth. Right? Thoth, yeah. Hermes, all that. So, um, given this information, he could be a close connection uh, to Mercury because of how close he is to the sun and his role that he plays in the story. Now, Stitchin and the Sumerian mythology goes on to explain the formation of the following six deities in, uh, in pairs of two. This can be described uh, the formation of the other planets in our solar system. So next would be that comes Lamu and Lahamu, which they derive from the Sumerian words for war. And that would be Mars and Venus. We know that Mars is the god of war. We know that Venus is the goddess of love and war. Mm -hmm. So then comes Anshar and Kishar, and they were said to supersede in size, uh, which that comes next to be Saturn and Jupiter. And Anshar, which would be uh, Saturn, had a firstborn a firstborn emissary named Gaga, and that is believed to be the particular moon of Saturn, and later to be known as Pluto. And real quick, mm-hmm. let me say this: right, we talk about like if we were to go down conspiracy routes, mm-hmm. you have you know a uh, satanic worship and yeah. and the Capricorn, you know, uh, Capricorn being mm-hmm. the ruler of Saturn or Saturn being ruler of Capricorn, yeah. right? And Cat and uh, and that's a goat. Mm-hmm. And we call people that are the greatest of all time a goat, yeah. you know, right? Because the greatest of all time. And because of symbolism always showing up, people are obsessed with the whole Illuminati symbolism with the one eye and all that. We have Lady Gaga. Yeah. Who, by the yeah. way, is a highly successful yeah. person. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. could be considered not the greatest of all time. I won't say that, yeah. but I'm just going to say to some people, she is like yeah. greatest singer of all time, mm-hmm. and she's so popular. She served that Saturnian, like you know, because Saturn rules that success, mm-hmm. you know, that rise to the top, yeah. the mount, the 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 goat climbing to the top, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just ironic that in this story, dating all mm-hmm. the way back now, you're telling me Lady Lady Gaga knows yeah. the Sumerian story. That's like, why saying. why it's do like they why, know? You know, you know, how how could they even know this, or do they? Do they know yeah, it know. and they're or is this is this taken re- down into a different context along the way well is it just repeating naturally yeah you know is the story being told again within our culture i just figured i'd ask that and i definitely mm-hmm. i want to have a great discussion on symbolism uh-huh. uh with the illuminati and saturn and the goat and all that and we will but i figured it's yeah. right because it really her name was gaga in this mm-hmm. story and you know that's i think that's pretty obvious yeah. to be honest with you saturn's moon yeah it's pretty crazy that it's saturn's moon and then possibly becomes to known to to we it's speculated to be that moon is pluto and we'll discuss why as we go along why the occurrences make that to become pluto mm. it's also funny because in the enuma lish um the actual name is like little gaga um lady little little lady know? gaga it's like that whole little funny. uh little uzi vert doing the whole little <laughs> vert yeah. you know with lucifer, lucifer yeah. right so wow. it's funny little gaga lady mm-hmm. gaga she's just playing on words crazy everything's very allegorical and, and symbolic yeah but you gotta catch it mm-hmm. so then next we have the creation of anu or an a-n uh and ia or enki and they're said to be correlated with anu being Uranus um, and and uh, Enki being Neptune. 
Now, there's going to be a point where it seems that that could get flipped uh, as well, uh, but it still goes in correlation with it. Um, you know, Anu, if he's Uranus, we and Anu is said to be the uh, the king, the god of the gods, the god of the heavens during this time, uh, and is like the you know the ruler of all. But we also know that it's yeah, it seems like they were born at the same time. But it's also known to be that Enki is the son of An Anu. Uh, so like the torch has been passed. Yeah, maybe there's also a weird point where it seems like Enki was split into two because you have Ea and Ea seems to be which means like uh uh which means um like god god of water and it seems like Ea more so represents this type of celestial body and then Enki is like more. Uh, personified as an actual being or a deity or something like that. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, let me just throw this in there yeah. too. Sorry, because uh, you know what's funny? Like I, my my brain tends to like I get trigger words mm-hmm. or tr- like not triggered, but trigger words where like yeah, I just triggers the thought. Dude, I just thought about you have EA Sports. Yeah, it's in the game. <laughs> yeah, shit. No, but I'm just saying, like, it's in the water. symbolism and shit, because I always relate it back to, yeah, Ray, you're, you're shooting too far with that or this and that, but it's still the symbol, it's still the word, and by the way, why are half your cars named after things like, uh, like, uh, Alhora Mazda is yeah. like some ancient god, and you have a car Mazda, you had Saturn, yeah, you have the Ford Taurus, Taurus. right? Like, yeah. I'm just saying. Exactly. Keep your mind exactly. open. Exactly. So, uh, Neptune is... We also know that Neptune, we said that since Enki is god of water, he's also god of mischief, uh, the, the, the god of, of of all these things. And we know that, but mainly he's known to be of, of water and to have mystic, he's a mystic and mystical powers. Uh, but we also know that Neptune is god of the sea in Greek and Roman mythology. And Enki, there we go, is the god of water. So if that's how we kind of get the correlation of Enki being Neptune uh, because of that whole water and God, God of the water. And then also in Greek and Roman mythology, you have Poseidon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned it too. Cause I had, uh, I got it up on my phone mm-hmm. now Uranus, right? We're talking about Uranus and I yeah. know we're saying that Ea can be Uranus, right? Yeah. That's what we're saying. Okay. Uh-huh. But when I had mentioned before with, with Apsu and uh-huh. the whole marriage, now this was real quick. Um, the Roman, it was the Roman uh, mythologies. Mm-hmm. Uranus or Father Sky was the son and husband of Gaia. Son and husband. Now, uh, Ea is the son of Tiamat, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. And the husband is Apsu. We yeah. just now I, and there's a marriage. So uh, Uranus was the Father Sky, was son of husband of Gaia, the primordial earth mother or mother earth. According to Hesiod's the, Theogony, Theogony, mm-hmm. um, Uranus was conceived by Gaia alone, but other sources cite that Ether, or they cite Ether as his father. Uranus and Gaia were the parents of the first generation of Titans and the ancestors of most of the Greek gods. There you go. There's so much similarity there. And also, I mean, in a way from hearing that and uh, correlating it to the Sumerian story, I also can see how Gaia could be Namu because Namu is said to have birthed um, uh, Tiamat. And uh, Apsu, mm. which are known to be the gods and the sun and all that. And just like, well, the Sumerian story, how things mm-hmm. can be mixed up. Yeah. Obviously, if you know, if, say, someone was to rewrite the story, say, later on, like in Roman yeah. times, 
I mean, you got to expect things. I mean, look how many times that it was changed. You have the Sumerian version, the Akkadian version of the story, and then you also have the Babylonian version and then the ancient Hittites. There's so many different types of shit. You got the Bible, dude, but the Bible does the the same thing. You got the King, but then you, but even within that, you got the King James Bible, you got the Protestant, you got that, Uh whatever, all of these other, like, and these correlations. And it's like, well, where does that true, it's like lost in translation, right? That authentic story come from. That's why it, that's where you could see where it's kind of, it's not far fetched or it doesn't go against anything to explore these ideas. Carry on. Yep. So, yeah. So, I mean, so it could be flipped kind of both one of one ways from this story. Being Apsu at the top, then coming Lahamu and Lamu, and then from that Kishar and Anshar, and then Enki and Anu, and then at the bottom is Tiamat. So it's kind of like the above and the below. Apsu at the above, Tiamat at the below, and then the rest of them in between in the middle. Um, or it could be that Namu is at the top, and then it's Tiamat and Apsu, then Lahamu and Lamu, and then Kishar and Anshar, and then there's Anu, and then there's Enki. And Enki is known to be the firstborn son uh, of Anu. So this was this way. It was interpreted in the story. The orbits, the orbits of the planets were not yet established or stable in those earlier times. The tablets tell us they surged back and forth and disturbed Tiamat's belly or her magnetic field. The planets were gravitating towards each other and they were converging on Tiamat, disturbing and endangering the primordial bodies. With these obvious references to erratic orbits, we can see similarities in the tablets when it is spoken about how the newly created gods were disruptive to Tiamat, but also how Apsu too found them to be loathsome as well. And because he cared for Tiamat, since it's said in in uh, in the tablets that Tiamat is his spouse. He expresses the idea of destroying the child gods, and this part relates with the planets and a young star emitting blast off radi- blasting off radiation, which could potentially destroy these young planets and completely or totally send them off into space. So, let's go more into that part of this of the story, and then break it down on a planetary level aspect. So this is the celestial battle that is said to happen that that really forms the creation and Earth actually comes from this too and then our moon. So Apsu wants to destroy the disturbing child gods or planets, but Tiamat is against it and pleads with him to not and to be patient with them. Mamu, who is Apsu's, uh, you know, uh, vizier, it's called, or his like political advisor or messenger, uh, he supports and encourages Apsu of this plan. The children find out about Apsu's intent and they go to Ia or Anki who put, who he performs some magic to drop Apsu into an eternal sleep and subduing all of his powers, which then comes to eventually killing him. That's why I'm That's why I said earlier about the whole sun thing. Don't think of it necessarily as our sun could have been another sun. And this couldn't relate to the next things that we're going to talk into the next episode, but we won't go there yet. So it could almost be like there was an original sun and it dies off and we have this creation of a kind of new sun going on because also in the tablets, Anu is not, even though Anu is the the gods of the gods, he's not really mentioned or worshipped a lot in the Sumerian civilization. It's always Enki and then sometimes Enlil, but we haven't got there yet. So that's just something to keep in mind there. 
Um, so Ia then takes Mamu as a prisoner, which remember Mercury, uh, he takes him as a prisoner and takes the throne of Apsu and names his new king cha- king's chamber after Apsu. Hence the location. There you go. There's the location. Therefore, maybe this new son right there, this new location of a son. Almost like he's taken over the God role. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And just kind of like pays his like, you know, he's showing maybe some sort of uh, not uh-huh. worship, but like, you know, giving him giving him merits like Apsu was the God. So I'll name my kingdom as Apsu almost there. It could even be yeah. more so playing like a uh, he's, um, you know, what? Uh, mocking yeah yeah either way either way he's he's paying some sort of energy and some attention to the fact that Mm. apsu who they had just you know yeah and it's like why would they come to enki well if enki is to be represented as neptune neptune being that outer planet neptune can be known to be as the gatekeeper of our solar system because it's far out there and the overwatcher of everything and stuff too so it's like they come they comes through comes through in that way um so where was I at here? Um, so he takes him as a prisoner and names his uh, chamber as Apsu. And it's here that he and his, and his wife Ninhursag are also known in the Assyrian version. Uh, she's also known in the Assyrian version as Damkina, which there's a root word that comes out of that. Damkina and Ki becomes something. But we'll get to that. They, and they give birth to a new god called Marduk. Now, Marduk can be an actual god or being, or it could be also some sort of celestial. I'm gonna not going to say planet, but I'm going to say celestial body or star because it's also known that. But we're going to go more into about Marduk in the next episode, so I don't want to off-track myself there. Um, so th- he is very, he's said to be very masculine and had a remarkable divinity with four eyes, four ears, and he breathed fire when he spoke. This can show that Marduk as being the planet of Nibiru. Uh, and Nibiru is said to have many moons and a fiery surface and glow. So therefore you can see the fiery when he talks and fiery glow. Hmm. Um, Anu gives Marduk something called the four winds. Remember, Anu is Uranus. Uh, the four winds, which gives him power and, it, and its upset was the intent. And it was sent to Tiamat to cause her upset and fr- frustration. Now, when it comes to that, we can see it as he was giving. If we look at it more in a celestial body of movement, mm. it's almost as if, uh, it's almost as if he came in and kind of took something from Uranus. But we'll go through. We'll, we'll we'll explain. We'll translate this all into the actual physical and the possibilities that it could have been after yeah. you go through and, the story. And the fun fact that uh, mm. when the people claim like the whole Nibiru thing that yeah. it gives off this red oxide or this iron yeah. oxide thing, I think, it, and it's it's mm-hmm. red. It's yeah, consider, you know, exactly. we're talking about breathing fire. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, um, soon after this. Tiamat is told by the gods that when her husband was killed, she did nothing and that she too will be punished. This results in Tiamat summoning a small army of 11 monsters and dragons around her, who some even have a very similar depiction to the constellations and their archetypes, but they can also be seen as major asteroids in the asteroid belt since we know that Tiamat comes from the asteroid belt. That's kind of her location and her domain. 
So she is also said to have a consort named Kingu, who became the lead general of her army. Now, Kingu, just look at it as kind of like a moon of Tiamat or a satellite because Kingu is known to be kind of translated as the satellite of Tiamat. She gives him the Tablets of Destiny, which is an object that gives the bearer the supreme authority of the universe, but can also be known as giving it an orbit. Therefore, you see how it comes in orbit around Tiamat. <clears throat> Kingu then advises that she destroy her children that are plotting against her, and she then becomes the antagonist in the story. Many interpretations describe her as transforming into a great sea dragon. Ea consults Anshar, which is Saturn, on what to do, and he tells Ea it, it is his responsibility since he started it all. Real nice. Way to cop out, Saturn. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> Ea pleads his case to Tiamat saying he felt he didn't have a choice because her husband Apsu would have killed them all but he retreats quickly because Tiamat is too mighty and un- unable to be willing to hear his plea there's a lot of, there's also a lot of like message and 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 like for a human like there's a lot of like damned if you do damned if you don't lesson behind this right and it's like what is good like you know what what's what do I do for the greater good um uh, well, a normal human. Yeah, exactly. For like a normal human being and just a regular life. So you could see how it's also just storytelling in a way too for lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, Anshar, uh, Anshar sends Anu to do the same, but he is no match for the mother goddess. It is realized that only one god could take on uh, Tiamat, and that was the son of Enki, which is Marduk. Um, so Ea summons him to take take it take her on in exchange he asked that he be named king of the gods when it's all done and over with anshar summons gaga to inform the other gods and they form a council of gods and agree to marduk's request knights of the round table there that's what it's uh-huh. a little yeah, bit uh-huh. exactly uh marduk equips himself and this is where it gets real alleg- allegorical marduk equips himself with his four winds a net a bow and a club along with creating three more winds more evil than the others. Remember what we said about getting the three winds from Uranus. He rode up to Tiamat on his storm flood chariot with his weapons, and he observed Kingu and his tablets of destiny, and he became discouraged. Now, storm flood chariot. Marduk is also known to be the god of storms, which... That goes deeper into, like I said, what's going to be in the next episode. I'm sorry to leave the cliffhangers, but mm. it's coming to mind that I'm like, ah, I want to say it, but got to tune into the next episode because it gets better. Um, So he gets discouraged when he sees Kingo with the Tablets of Destiny and having its own orbit, I guess you could say. He then saw the doom from the other gods, and this causes him to summon up the courage, and he hurled the storm flood at Tiamat. When Marduk gets close enough to Tiamat, he traps her in his net and fires the evil wind into her open mouth to swallow, but her mouth remains open. And then he then shoots an arrow in through her mouth and it cuts through her insides and kills her. Brutal. Yeah. He gathers up her army and retrieves the tablets of destinies from Kingu. So kind of like knocks it from its orbit. We're going to see how this is all allegorical. He then bashes Tiamat's head with his club and cuts her in half. Half of her body is used to create the earth and below, and the other half is used to create the heavens and the firmament. Marduk is crowned king of the gods. So, 
what does this mean planetary-wise? How can we explain that with the movements of the planets and the creation of our solar system in not such a fairy tale god type of way? Right, right. Well, and let and me with, just and with evidence. Well, let me let me just state yeah. that why the hell hasn't this been made a movie yet? I don't know. This would be a fucking amazing movie. It would be a fucking amazing movie. <laughs> I mean, like it, it, the drama and the you know we all like death and yeah. blood and horror and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And on top of that, I mean, well, who knows? Maybe because the meaning is so deep uh, and so important yeah. that it would get people to actually start looking into uh, is there oh, other something mo- like that. Is there other movies that kind of base off of this? Because also think about it. You kind of hear there's there's kind of the epic of a hero's journey. In well, there. right. So, and it's funny because I have that book waiting somewhere on my computer of, mm-hmm. um, I think it was either Joseph Campbell or mm-hmm. Murphy, but it was like, there was two of his books where one was like the power of myth mm-hmm. and another one was all about the hero's journey. Yeah. And uh, it is claimed that this journey of the hero going through the, if you watch, I mean, hell, most of our movies, if they're not, you know, romantic comedies and this and that, mm-hmm. even though even them have an undertone where they go through the troubles and yeah. that, you know, well, you meet the character, you know, you get, they get you to like them and mm-hmm. at least get to know them. And then this, the trials and tribulations yep. begin. And then from there, he's got to climb the mountain back up. And then at the end, he's, you know, symbolically the king of the gods, or uh-huh. not the king of the gods, but he wins. You yeah. know, he, he so we, you know, but we see, hero. but in video games, in movies, in shows, and everything, we see constantly the role of the hero, the hero's journey, and all these things. Yeah, like why? How do we know that, or how do we? Yeah, how do we not know, or maybe do know, or don't know that that whole hero's journey? I know we have the epic of Gilgamesh, which that goes along with this, but that's for later episodes. Um. It's like Noah's cousin. Yeah, exactly. So, but how do we know that this ancient Sumerian culture, maybe that's where we get the whole hero's journey. I mean, really Gilgamesh, I know that was the only one thing I was taught when I went to school in high school, my junior year in San Diego, we went through a whole lesson about the epic of Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh and everything. I literally still have my notes on that. I remember I was actually showing you in my old ass notebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still that was a that. while ago when we when we discussed that. Yeah, that was like at the brink of I us honestly discovering we I, should do this. Yeah, I didn't realize it would lead to this, but it does. So yeah, so we could see that the hero's journey possibly could derive if the ancient Sumerian uh, uh, civilization and culture is known to, for many firsts for mankind. That could be where it came from. Well, I you know I do have a theory about this, and it's it's indefinite for sure, but. You know, we talk about the Fibonacci, right? And we mm. talk about like these um, re- repetitive numbers in math, you know, even you have Kabbalah where numbers repeat themselves and show up, numerology, if any, like, it's almost like there's this, um, it's like there's this binary built, binary built into the matrix, mm-hmm. right? Well, what if that, you know, just because of the way like energy travels or just the way things grow and move that you know, like um, a being's life, right? Or the growth and death of something Mm -hmm. has this story built into it. And what, you know, these other beings did, right? They took this story and they, you know, they, well, they took how the universe worked Mm -hmm. to, according to its math and its principles. Yeah. And they discovered a way to like, it's almost like as if the traveling of energy or the traveling of other beings and all that is the hero's journey. And so what they did is they embedded this symbolically into our DNA and into our minds and made paradigms of the fact that my point is, is the hero's journey is built into the universe. And, you know, we, this, even if they say did channel or come up with this story Uh that it naturally would have had to come up because that's the way that it, 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 it's the only way it can be interpreted according to, you know, you get what and they point. do, yeah. and they do that with a sense of using the story to bring on a sense of awe, of awe, 
And that's what incorporates it in our DNA, what creates us to have that, because the four main foundations of creating awe, which creates beliefs, because when you're in the feeling of awe, you're like, oh my God. Well, think about, well, think about movies, right? Yeah. When you're watching a movie and you're really into it and you're Mm -hmm. into the show, you have that emotional reaction and usually like your favorite characters and your favorite parts of the movie stick with you and Mm -hmm. it affects, you know, it changes the way you think sometimes, you know, um, it goes back to religions and say, just say your modern day Catholics or Christians where they read, you know, a lot of people who talk about Jesus, man, they are emotionally attached to these stories, man, meaning like they're. Now, not attached, say, in so much of a bad way, all of them, but more so just like they it was so captivating to them uh-huh. and Jesus meant so much to them because of what he did and his journey that it affected the way they thought. Yeah, and the four main principles and foundation of that, you know, getting entangled with awe is, you know, nature and music and art, uh, spirituality. Uh, and then there's also just, uh, you know, the sense of the sense of belonging as well. So, yeah, just, you know, very yeah. interesting to really consider that, you know, these stories may have come from just the development of the universe and the way that mm-hmm. energy and all that stuff moves that could potentially just yeah. be channeled from the fact that that's what it is yeah. and you can't get away from it. Yeah, because why goes, is it everything? You exactly. Know? And that goes like you said, that whole thing about how like the the hero's journey and being correlated with just energy in general and how it moves and travels. It does go along with something that has been said. I think I said it in some of our past episodes about, you know, energy moving in the flow of uh, generation Mm -hmm. being generated, uh, conservation, holding its holding its own, holding its strength and pattern and then corruption where it starts to break apart and then destruction where it completely cuts off and then it starts up again. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and and if you I mean, I mentioned I was like ripping on romantic comedies before, like, but even if you take a movie like that, you know, the generation, you get to know the character, this and that conservation. Oh, I, you know, he's living his life. He's, you know, he's uh, got the story and why I'm comparing this because it's a very extreme example because I can go into action. Obviously, we all know. Yeah. You know, you generate the character, you conserve them and you let the the watcher know that this is who he is and why Mm. you should like him. And then that dip, you know, that dip in the waveform. Yeah. Where it starts to, you know, like he's, the, like the movie like, Taken with Liam Nielsen. Yeah, perfect. You know, it's like that uh, he's taken into the underworld. Mm-hmm. And that even relates back to the astrology chart when you go from Aries to Pisces. Yeah, you know, exactly. It, and it goes, that's where we actually even that got way. that. Right, exactly. And that's the same way because it goes from fire, earth, air, water. Yeah. And fire in astrology, it's known that fire generation, that generative energy, uh, earth conserved, you know, growth and everything. Uh, air corruption starts to move around water destruction yeah, submerges and, it and, and who knows i mean you can go as deep as like you know if you're talking about your own life like you have your own hero's journey and your own chart and then who knows if you have a soul journey where you are in this lifetime and this is not to get off topic we'll go back but at the last point is even your soul could have this hero's journey that maybe mm-hmm. in this lifetime you are in that downward thing and maybe sometimes it's not not that it's not meant for you to be happy or anything but when you're learning lessons and you're on this dip and everything you know maybe you are at the you know, the, 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 you're learning the, the rough lessons as you'd mm-hmm. see in a movie. And that's where you're at on your soul's journey. Yeah. You know, it got some people are like, man, why do I always have this luck or this, mm-hmm. or you're meant to do this. It's like, well, that hero's journey could be massive yeah. as a soul. If you think of mm-hmm. it in that fashion. And when you could gain acceptance of that, that, that allows you to kind of break the norm and to be able to f- fall out and observe it from a, a backstance type of view and kind of detach from the emotions you're feeling in that moment to have a better understanding and be like, oh, this is just where I'm at. And it almost feels temporary. This way you can focus on the next part, 
This way you can prepare yourself for the next part instead of just getting lost in that. Yeah, right. Well, because a lot of people don't like to hear about predestiny and all that, but when you really break it down, when you're the happiest mm-hmm. and or when you feel like you're on your path, well, maybe that was the predestined journey, meaning that if you are where you're supposed to be, and even if you don't believe in God, say, well, if you feel good at where you're at, that you are on the divine path and you are on your predestined path. And then maybe when you are the most depressed or most miserable or if you feel astray and off track is, you know, that's you're not your predestined way, you yeah. know, like you actually aren't following the divine, um, you know, uh, hunches and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. you, point being is, is you, you do have free will so you could jump off the predestined way. But, but the fact that there is a predestiny and uh-huh. that's, what you're supposed to be doing, regardless whether you believe in a religion yeah, or not. Exactly. It's just just by going strictly just your emotions and where you're at in mm-hmm. your life and your mindset and just like the way it's playing out, yeah. regardless of any religion mm-hmm. or mythology. Yeah, it's is just my the point. elements of life. Right, and that's like, could be your like, we won't even use predestined, but your set path. Yeah, that's amazing. That is, wow. So how I want to just kind of like finish this off with that is the planetary explanation of that story. So the first member of our Apsu solar system uh, was our sun, which is Apsu, we could say, or a sun, Apsu. And then the planets Mercury, known as, uh, like I said, uh, Mamu, and Tiamat, which it's kind of breakdown when you go into it. It's Tiamat, uh, which also relates to the water monster, and we are also called Gaia. So water monster, sea dragon, she turns into the sea dragon. There you see the correlation with even within her name, mm. uh, which also Gaia means uh, meaning the cleaved one. So cleaved one. She was cut, fucking cut in half, mm. clubbed with a fucking <laughs> clubbed over the head. Uh, so then our solar system gradually expanded by the birth of three planetary pairs, Venus and Mars placed between Mercury and Tiamat. Jupiter and Saturn, which is placed beyond Tiamat. Then you have Uranus and Neptune placed on the farthest part out. An invading planet from outer space, which is Nibiru in Sumerian or Marduk in the Babylonian, was drawn to our solar system and attracted to the outer planet Neptune. This is where you see how it's almost like Neptune being Enki births, births Marduk which is this other planet or whatever celestial body. And it's also said that Enki consulted, uh, consulted, well, actually, I think it was Anu that consulted, but you have it right there too. Um, so it's birthed from Neptune because it's pulled in. It's something about the gravitational um, you know, pull and everything with its, with its magnetic field. It pulls Marduk or Nibiru. For this sake, we're just going to call it Nibiru. This way we don't get anybody confused pulls Nibiru in from wherever it is. Like I said, we're going to go into those explanations and possibilities in our next episode. Pulls Nibiru in, and then Nibiru consults with Neptune. I mean, I'm sorry, with uh, Anu, which is Uranus. And it's also said that he gains three extra winds. He already had four winds. He already had four moons, and he gains another three from Uranus. And Uranus, uh, it, it's pulled so that, that you could explain that as um, an invading, uh, so, uh, Nibiru m- moved into a retrograde clockwise orbit, um, which was counter to the other planets. And like I said, had the four satellites or moons Nibiru, uh, passed in its orbit between Neptune and the next inner planet, which was Uranus. 
as Nibiru passed near Neptune, gravitational and magnetic forces caused Marduk or Nibiru's side to bulge out. This side was pulled away and became Neptune's new moon, Triton, which now also has a retrograde orbit. And now we have cleavage and bulge. Yes, cleavage and bulge, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, consequently, Marduk collided with Uranus when it got its other three winds, which tilts Uranus on its axis, creating Uranus, uh, creating Uranus's four moons. In the process, Marduk gained three moons for a total of seven. And we know that Uranus is the only planet in our solar system that's completely tilted on its side. Not like all the other ones that just have like, you know, slight tilt or whatever and stuff. So kind of abnormal and little, it differs from the rest of the solar system. Ironically, Aquarius ruling Uranus Uh is that awkward, weird yeah. Off kilt person. Very different. By the way, my mom's an Aquarius. I love all of you, but uh-huh. that's when my you do s- an Aquarius. There you he's go. A little, he's a little weirdo baby. Yeah, you guys are a little off, but it's <laughs> but it's on though. Like yeah. your off is on. It's, yeah, it's very good. But point being, so here we go. It relates to you got this weird, awkward tilt now of this planet who is ruled by the sign and the zodiac Aquarius, who is a little off kilt. Yeah, you know. And then so Marduk, I said we were going to call him Nibiru, but. Just decide I think you got already. it. Nibiru, Nibiru. Marduk. All right, Nibiru. Nibiru. Nibiru was pulled toward the extremely large planets of Saturn and Jupiter and changed his orbital path and has changed its orbital pathway forever. So it's coming from the outer space. Comes, It comes, and that's why it's also known as the crossing Marduk. We're going to, I can't wait to get into the next episode because mm. there's so much, so much enlightening information and it's so controversial. I love it. And as you guys can see, there's why there's so much oh, like it's, we got to yes. break this up into a whole series because yeah, exactly. like we gave you the story and obviously we dibble dabble because we yeah. think as we talk, but point being though, knowing this like, story, you'll right. be able to follow along with the rest as we go and it, it'll make more sense. And yeah. I wish that it was presented to me this easily yeah. going, you know, going yeah. into it. And well, and uh, I would recommend you and all of us, and I'll even go back plenty of times. If you, if, you should really like re-listen to this over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah. You know, I know we sometimes jump off, but that's the beauty of yeah. you know discussion. But point being, like, or go find a uh, you know, just go look it up yourself and and put mm-hmm. it in chronological order yourself yeah. and learn the story, and then also learn. Which this, that's very hard this, to find. It it is it wasn't that easy. No. Um, but you can if you can find the story and then then find the planetary movements. Now, uh. I'll just say this. Mm-hmm. We can do show notes for people and give sure, kind yeah. of like a breakdown for people. Uh, we, uh, we'll, we eventually will find a way to do that for yeah. you guys because we kind of have it broken down yeah. in the story and then uh-huh. in the planetary. That's why once that, once that website's up, we'll get the blog going yeah, we'll and we'll be, able to, we'll be able to get you to have these show notes as well yeah. so, you're, so you can access them. And then, uh, and then follow along on the episode. But anyway, yeah, so exactly. Then, you know, it's uh, Nibiru when it when it starts to be pulled towards Saturn and Jupiter and change its orbital pathway. Marduk passed Saturn and Saturn's Saturn's moon Gaga was pulled away in the direction of Mars and Venus and causes Gaga to have a strange elliptical orbit. What else has a strange elliptical orbit? And what did we say Gaga was? Pluto. There you go. Yep. So Gaga eventually became the planet of Pluto. And we also remember in the story, it is said that Marduk talks to Anshar, which Anshar is, is Saturn. And there we go. Mm. And, and it's consulted by its moon and all that. So Mar, uh, Nibiru's orbit 
was further altered by the pull of Jupiter, placing Nibiru on a collision course with Tiamat. Tiamat was a very unstable planet um, encircled by 11 satellites or moons or asteroids because it was in the, the belt. The largest of these asteroids was Kingu, a very large satellite. Remember Kingu, keep that in mind, asteroid. Uh, Nibiru did not collide with Tiamat, but uh, uh, Marduk's seven satellites smashed into Tiamat and her 11 satellites headed by Tiamat's largest satellite, Kingu. So it, it was not so much the planets collided, it was their moons or their satellites or their asteroids that were orbiting them from their magnetic field. The other half of Tiamat, um, I'm sorry, Tiamat was then split into two halves. Now, here's the other thing too. I think also the way it's explained in the story, it seems more so like because the story was like, oh, it caught in her, uh, uh, Marduk caught Tiamat in his net. The net is represented to be uh, his the orbit of Nibiru. Hmm. Uh, first does that, and then the whole shoots a bow uh, into her mouth and cuts her in half. So it seems more as though it's like when Nibiru came into the path, one of its moons uh, hits Tiamat kind of breaks off a good little piece. Well, like, you know, it kind of subduing her and killing her. Or her mouth slept open. So yeah. it's almost like picture, you know, pretty gruesome, but like jaw being yeah. smashed open and the mouth stuck. You yeah, know? Like, exactly. So it's like almost like a big, a big asteroid hits the planet of Tiamat, whatever this planet is. And then Nibiru keeps going on its orbit and now its orbits change. It's not so as it's not so sharp. And now it creates, now it's actually following that pattern and it goes and it goes around the sun and it goes back out to wherever it came from. But then eventually it comes back and this is where he finishes off Tiamat. And um, so he, uh, he splits her in two halves. The half toward the sun split off and became Gaia or planet Earth. And Kingu, Tiamat's principal satellite, became Earth's moon. The other half of Tiamat was smashed into bits and pieces. Through magnetic and gravitational forces, these pieces were formed into the asteroid belt. That's where you get the actual asteroid belt. You know, think about it. The asteroid belt really wasn't, it's, it's explaining it almost as like the asteroid belt didn't really exist, but it was this, this it was the, the boundary between the above and the below mm. said to be. So, Cuts her in half, coming back on Nibiru, coming back on its second orbit orbital uh, cycle, cuts through her, finishes it. Uh, part of uh, Tiamat, which Tiamat, Tiamat is said to be slightly larger than the planet of Neptune, and breaks off a piece, and one half goes towards the sun, uh, along with the moon that was orbiting around it, and that becomes our moon. Uh, but wish it was just an asteroid at the time, but over time it starts to form. And then the other half is smashed off into pieces and creates the asteroid belt. The asteroid belt, with its comets, continued moving in a retrograde orbit, as did Nibiru. The asteroid belt has remained in the approximate place in the solar system as the former planet Tiamat. The asteroid belt is also known as the firmament, or belt of frozen waters. Below the firmament, it's said in the story, or toward the sun, are located four planets, Mars, Earth, Venus, and Mercury. And above the firmament, 
are located six planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and possibly the 12th, Marduk or Nibiru. Nibiru was forced into an extreme elliptical orbit of some 3,600 years and is known today as the 12th planet in our Apsu solar system, widely speculated and, and controversial, but we'll go into the details of why they think it's still there uh, in the next episode. This 12th planet, Nibiru, uh, in its retrograde solar orbit, is again approaching Earth, they think. Probably not in our lifetime, but that's that's the whole... There was a lot of hype about it, especially when it came out in the 70s about it, especially a lot of it was due to stitching. Uh, it was like this constant, oh my God, Planet X or Planet 9, it was considered, uh, and this whole big controversy. But like I said, that's going to be saved for the next episode where we find out and explore what is Nibiru exactly and a correlation to with the story as Marduk, you know, how do we further see the the similarities? And then also, um, you know, what is the evidence that is found scientifically? Cause they're still looking and what could Nibiru be? And is it really there? Is it not there? How could it be? What do we know? And we're going to break that all down for you. We're going to show all sides of it as well. And that's going to be extremely exciting. And then once understanding that, we're going to go into further the next parts of the story, which gets closer to where now we know that Earth is made uh, in this story. But then it goes further into explaining how there's the cultivation of Earth. But you first have to understand Nibiru as a planet and having some sort of civilization of its own, what went on there and their planet and why was why were they brought forth to earth and the rest is all a mystery that we will keep going into yeah. about the creation of us exactly and that's where it leads to hmm. right that's where we start to come into play and so recapping hmm. and from me hearing plenty of you know all the mythologies and religions it's funny one how they're parallel right it's an important point so you have a lot of these things coming up over and over again in a lot of religions throughout time. You also have these two explanations. You have this story, and then you have the planets mm -hmm. and this creation of, you know, our solar system and reality itself. Are these gods playing these elements of reality? You know, are they playing these planets and, you know, matter and ether and stuff like that, and they're just interpreted in a way in a story where the mind can understand it through symbolism and through interpretation of, you know, a certain level of consciousness or, yeah. you know, is it literal? Mm -hmm. And that's the big question. And of course we all have our own theories and, you know, we'd love to hear yours. And Absolutely. That's, that's how we figure things out together. Yeah, and, exactly. and so what do you think? Yeah. You know, what do you, do you think it could be literal? Do you think it's mm -hmm. allegorical? Do you think it's just, this story played out describing our solar system and our reality. And if so, when thinking about it, you know, what's, what would be the reasons? What would be, you know, what would be the reasons of doing it this way? And, and, and why so many cultures constantly, you know, are they show are they showing adoration? Yeah. Are they, are they telling the story again? Because it's just important. It's, it's, it's like this, like, uh, cosmic drama that wants to be passed down mm -hmm. is it built into the dna of the universe and it keeps coming up over and over again because yeah. it's just in our dna it's just mm -hmm. in the blueprint for beings to, to to come up with this story because that's how everything's created mm -hmm. from to energy to solar systems yeah. to planets to 
your body. Yeah. It really, really opens why? up the mind to really think about all that and to see. And then also, like we said, it just, it, you can see how so much will be realized differently if some of these things or if all of these things were to be true in some sort of way. So that's why I like definitely like if you're listening to this, like let us know. I think some some platforms, depending on what platform you're on listening to this, you can actually um, leave like a review or a comment on the show. And we'd love for you to do that uh, and just tell us what you think. Tell us what you think about the show and what you think about the story or anything, anything at all. Yeah, I mean, any any adjustments yeah, that maybe you guys would exactly would, would like for us to do, whether, uh, you, know, I, you know, well, and that. I, I think about when we're, we're breaking stories down, obviously there's always, you know, you have those linear minds out mm-hmm. there. It's like, just get, get on with the story, yeah. you know, but why this podcast exists is for discussion. So mm-hmm. we, we break off and we do things like, you know, I hope, I would hope that you guys like that aspect because yeah. it's my favorite part. You yeah. know, it's like, let's, let's actually cut it off real quick and wait, there's a point to be made. And because that's how things will get discovered, yeah. you know, and that's why I'd like show notes being placed because then you can, mm-hmm. you know, listen to the podcast, recommend you do it more than once, but then you have the notes and we will do that for you. We'll make it, sh- we'll make sure that yeah. we have this linear breakdown of these things. And then after going over the notes or having them in hand, going through it with us again and really see where yeah. we're coming from, work together here, you know, come together as a community. There's a lot of truthers out there that want to come together. And instead of battling each other and all that, it's about taking all of these subjects and really coming together as one and with all different perspectives. And I believe that's how the truth will come in this Aquarian age. Right on. That's why we're trying to present this in that linear fashion and really break it down. Like, I mean, I mean, I know for some people this may be like, Oh man, it's so long, but I promise you this was just really the reason I was, we were so thorough, thorough about it and really breaking it down for you is because it's important to understand these beginning occurrences for the next parts that we're going to go into or else if you kind of don't understand this aspect of it it makes it harder to see and you know what i really think that you know creating these longer and in-depth thorough episodes allow the ability to uh create real thoughts and ideas to emerge from all of it so yeah well in a society where everyone's in such a rush or you know the attention span isn't that great because and i don't blame many one a lot of the youth are trained that way with technology and the ipads and all but also the world's moving so fast Hmm. so it's almost like do i have time to sit here you know but by the way we are in a pandemic and a, a reform I mean, of yeah, play know. it, play it on your drive, play it when you're just chilling or sitting there around and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, obviously when you got to stop, you stop and yeah. then come back to it. Yeah. Let's figure out this Take your time. Let's Give figure you, it out. You got plenty. That's I like that though. I like when I have a certain podcast or YouTube video or something that I can listen to. That's kind of lengthy. I was like, because it's like, I look forward to it. It's like, my it's like my you know people have their sitcoms or whatever and stuff or their shows that they watch on netflix you know for me it's kind of like oh yeah i can't wait to go dive back into that thing yeah and listen and like you know i like that gives me something to do too yeah yeah of course and you know now that i think about it right we we went through the story and it could be the you know the way that we laid it out we won't even don't even have to go back through it but in the next one right we're going to talk about uh you know the sumerians and more about you know, planet Nibiru and all of that. Right. And where we come into play. Mm -hmm. So what I was talking before at the beginning of, you know, if you were, if you realized or learned that not everything in your history books 
and the things you were told were true. And just the way our DNA is and where we came from changed, right? And there's archaeological and scientific facts of timelines and things. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that that changes everything, right? Well, don't you think just from that alone, the fact that our DNA, right, the way our DNA, I cannot wait to talk about yeah. that, the whole mm-hmm. chromosome 2 thing. Yeah. It potentially, right, can be that we were made or, like, designed. Yeah. And by another, not... Like some but, sort of some sort of uh, a god, but not a god. Yeah, like a well, master geneticist. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's a being. And yes, we all come from, and I do mm-hmm. believe we all come from that source. Yes. Like there's that one thing, mortal, absolute source. Yeah, but I've you know I've seen these layers on some spiritual channels of they talk about you know you have the soul, but then you have um, higher selves, yeah. right? But then you have over souls. Mm. And what oversouls are is like, look at it as in layers, right? And so you have us and then you have your higher self or your higher, you know, your more fourth, fifth dimensional version of uh-huh. yourself, right? But an oversoul is actually one soul, right? Uh-huh. That a bunch of souls are connected to. So we're actually all coming from an oversoul. Yeah. So you, these layers start to go up and up and up okay. and up. And this is in spiritual stuff. Yeah. So point being is, is maybe we come from a being but it's not the supreme being. We do come from, that's the yeah. point. Like it's not but, from well, directly the, the this, web. It's right. The web it's the web. Life. Right. So, but, but instead of saying, you know, everything was created by just God, what if we're missing a part of the web? Yeah. And this next episode is going to explain. Um, and it's in this epic, you know, that we're discussing already that where we come from in this epic and how we were created yeah. and why that there's that middle, there's a middleman is my point. Yeah. I think that's where I'm trying to, you that's know, what we'll show how the, um, the, Anunnaki, which is a derivative from Anu, the Anunnaki, who are they, uh, where do they come from, what is the evidence to maybe present or theories to show that it was an actual like uh, type of gods or demigods or whatever you want to call them or some sort of beings, some sort of beings, how they come into play. and Like a hierarchy of yeah, our species. And where are they from, where did they reside, um, and then how... They came into be and being part of the creation story for humans, possibly. Like I said, nothing's definite, but it's fun to explore and it's very, very interesting when you match it up with what we know on a scientific level, what we know on a geographical level, a um, archaeological findings, artifacts, all this stuff, and you'll see the connection. So definitely stick to uh, uh stay tuned for that uh the other thing is too is like we still talk about the fibonacci and the fractal patterning and stuff mm. and it's like who's to say god or this ultimate higher source creates some sort of other being and civilization maybe not necessarily in our physical form creates that and as they advance they create you know, yeah, right. it's part of the creation cycle. It's like it's a fractal, you know, it's a fractal within create, a fractal within a fractal, yeah, right? So, so that would mean that we are built in the image of God. Yes, exactly. And therefore they create us and look at us, what we're doing now. We create AI. We're trying to install our consciousness in in robotics and stuff too. And you see the cycle. And it's repeating. So that's why you could see the possibility. So And we shall make it. Absolutely. We shall make it there. We're, yeah. That's where we're heading. Exactly. So don't forget... If you want to reach out and talk about the episode and everything, you know, go into the reviews or comment section on on whatever platform you're listening to or always 
I think the best way is Facebook and Instagram. You can, you know, post on us, follow, you know, follow and like us and then post uh, to us or message us, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, and then also you could always hit up our email, the daily transcendence at gmail.com. Uh, so as always, we entirely appreciate, appreciate your, uh, your, your focus and your, and your uh, patience through this all and listening as well. So next episode, we'll go even farther and deeper into that. And uh, we love y'all. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, fellow cadets till next time. Adios. Over now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.